Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Justin from Hufflepuff here, trusting you all had an awesome summer and that all of your owls bearing letters amongst friends dodged any pesky, conniving, and free house elves. But it is that time of year again, the end of summer, approaching the last few days of August, which means everyone has received their class lists, their acceptance letters for all your first years, and tickets to board the Hogwarts Express on our journey back to Hogwarts. But before we get too far along, let's not forget to introduce all of my fellow classmates that have joined the Slug Club today. Joining us from Ravenclaw, and who I believe has brought with her a small guest today, it's Abby and her little bow truckle friend, Twiggy. Hey, everyone. I feel like we should all go around the room, like in Finding Nemo. Hello, Twiggy. <laughs> and never arriving late nor does she arrive early but always arriving precisely when she means to flying in on her new nimbus 2022 it's liz from slytherin Woo, Slytherin! except i will tell you our nimbus is not a 2002 it is a 200 as it is way old. down way down there <laughs> whoa it is old and does not work well so. Like an I antique. thought you were gonna make a joke about her uh, about her electric bike and compare it to Sirius Black's motorcycle. Oh man, uh, maybe another time. opportunities. <laughs> Next time. It's electric. It's so much fun. And as always, we also have joining us my brother Rob, who's never read the books. You know, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting sick and tired. At first, it was amusing. You know, I wanna I want a hyped up intro. Now get something no. like. And Rob, champion seeker of the Quidditch team, you know, or so, I don't know, something. One of these days, I'm going to be like, and now, entering the Tigatron. <laughs> it's going to be like a surprise. <laughs> oh, who is it coming out from the back? Oh, it's Rob. <laughs> Rob's entering the ring. Play the music. Play the John Cena music. <laughs> there is one way, though, to get that title to go away. This is true. Oh, yeah. To read all the books. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, that does sound like a lot of effort, though. I'm not like Liz and Abby, where I can just pop down for four hours and read through the whole book. I mean, you could just put in, like, an audiobook. What about when you guys drive out to Nebraska or something? You could just listen to it. Hey, I did listen to almost every CD of The Order of the Phoenix. Except for, of course, and the one, one that was missing from uh, from Lizzie's, uh, Lizzie's collection. <laughs> That's the one that you lost. I gave you all the CDs. Justin, if I lost it, how could I not listen to it? <laughs> no, no, you're not you're not hearing it. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. You're, there's really no time during those long Nebraska trips because that is prime Pokemon time for Rob. Prime Pokemon time or if I'm driving prime Broadway time. And just like on Broadway, I don't know if that title is ever changing because now it's almost like it's Tradition. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't just be listening to Jim Dale, you know, when I'm in the middle when I'm in the middle of Oklahoma. It's like, oh, what a beautiful morning. You got to have that real Oklahoma vibrato for that. You know what I mean? Not that I'm not talking about the Hugh Jackman cut of Oklahoma. I'm talking about the old school Oklahoma. Oh, the one from the 60s. Yeah. The one with the girl from It's a Wonderful Life, and she had like this really nasally annoying voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She sure did. But, you know, it's Wait a it's minute. Oklahoma. Was Donna Reed That's in just it? how people say No, it. it's not Donna Reed. It's the girl who plays the floozy in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> What's is, her yeah. name? Oh. What's her name? Come on. Was she? I forget the name. of oh, Violet. Ada Lanny. She's Violet, well, yeah. in, uh, Violet in A Wonderful Life and then Ado Annie in Oklahoma. I'm just the girl who can't say no. This song did not age well at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A and lot of those got... westerns didn't age well, though. I mean, look at McClintock. Nope, nope. Sure can't. <laughs> McClintock. Can't even I have McClintock on a separate... major streaming service anymore. Two separate scenes where they spank women. That's an interesting one. The final the scene cover. of, of McClintock. <laughs> it made it to the cover. That's how little people thought of it. It made it to the cover. The end scene of McClintock 
is McClintock going to chase his woman to give her a good spanking and the whole town following. <laughs> the whole town following stop, and cheering. <laughs> not to stop, but cheering. <laughs> They're like, we've been waiting for this. And the audience was too. The audience <laughs> was excited. <laughs> Even the women in the audience were like, well, that's what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Paige and expected. I watched that. Paige and I watched that during the height of the pandemic a couple of years ago. And she looked over to me at the end. She was like, how is this your dad's favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then you've got, you got to get, when you're driving down to Nebraska and you, you hear that, you hear that classic Shrek the musical hit. Sing a song. Yes, a travel song when you gotta go somewhere. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So no, I haven't I haven't listened to all the books. <laughs> hey, I was able to add a book onto the books I've read list this summer. After many years and much avoidance, I can finally check off Cursed Child right off the list on Harry Potter books that I've read. Oh, Jay, that was the worst one. <laughs> it is the worst one. I read that thing but he cover read to cover in one sitting. Front to even back. I, it was incredible. Sitting? It was incredible. Never before have I read anything with such speed. <laughs> it's amazing how much you can get done with no crying children, trying to avoid awkward conversations with strangers around you, and of course you have nothing better to do. I have Wait, problems listening. Read I read it on the plane ride over to Michigan. Okay, that makes sense. And <laughs> I had missed, so Paige and I and the kids mm-hmm. got to the airport a little late, and so we missed the check baggage time by five minutes. So they're like, uh, yeah, if you want to check all these things, you have to get on a different plane. And of course, I had already sent Paige and the boys through security. They're making their way over to the plane. And I was like, well, Paige is going to have to be super mom and handle the two crying boys alone on the airplane. And I'm going to get this relaxing time on my by myself. And you did. 13 hours (laughs) of seclusion. (laughs) Oh, it was it was beautiful. I would throw a fit. There's no time. There's no time to throw a fit. It's just con- you're just in survival mode at that point. Oh, those Spirit <laughs> Airlines employees has not yet felt the wrath of a white woman. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you will open that door. <laughs> oh man, I can't listen to Jim Dale on the uh, on the audiobooks. You know why? Because I feel like I, and I I really do feel this deep inside. I could do better. You know, you listen to Jim Dale and he's like doing Hagrid. Oh, Harry. Oh, you can't. Harry. You take that back. Hagrid. Shut your mouth before the elves do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you may be listening to this and being like, Rob, you can't be so arrogant to think that you would do a better job than treasure and multi Emmy award winning voice actor Jim Dale. I guess again. <laughs> You're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to prove it now. <laughs> we release a special one chapter, and I promise I was when say, I do you Hermione's should read the first voice, chapter out loud or something, like just to have a side thing. That'd just be the way that we that I get through the books, is me yeah. reading chapters. And you could just have like a special Jim segment Dale. of Rob reads Harry Potter. It's like Alex reads Twilight, but different. Who is Alex? Yeah, who is Alex? <laughs> It was like when Twilight first came out and it was this British kid who was reading Twilight, but like he would just make comments and skip over things about how it was horrible. And it was quite funny, except for the fact (laughs) that I love Twilight. So (laughs) I don't even think you can get it on YouTube anymore. I think he took it down. No, really? (laughs) Yeah, they take that kind of copyright and free. Alex, you coward. (laughs) You coward, Alex. (laughs) What, to save the rest of your riveting content, Alex? Oh, nope, I got it. So the first one, Alex Day reads Twilight in under seven minutes, but he's got a whole series. <laughs> he reads the entire series in seven I minutes? I think there's four books. Well, well I mean, most well, of no, it he is He reads the crying. first one in seven minutes, but um, he just tells you the highlights in seven minutes. Liz was like, hey, Justin, so what is this Clone Wars thing that's on uh, Cartoon Network? Seven hours. I was like, oh. Let me tell you, Liz. Let me tell you. <laughs> Buckle Five up. hours from Flint <laughs> to our campsite 
and where were we staying? We were going up to the Porcupine Mountains, weren't we? Or was that a different trip? No, this was when we were staying on Lake Superior with Abby and Nick. Oh, yeah. yeah so it had to have been gonna, five hours. If not, seven. Oh, I think five hours of action-packed Clone <laughs> Wars coverage. That's you talked for about That's the right. entire <laughs> drive up there. Not or a single was it the detail time we missed. Visit? No, never mind, because it was definitely five hours. Because it was quite a long time you were telling me about Star Wars. But hey, I bet you you appreciated it after The Mandalorian came out and you knew all of the backstory. I watched only season it. one of The Mandalorian and I don't remember what happened. You're telling me you don't know nothing about the Darksaber? I don't know what that is. Oh, oh no. Oh my gosh. Search your feelings, you must. Remember your training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't believe Lizzie on a Harry Potter podcast doesn't know the Darksaber created by the first Mandalorian Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> a millennia before the Skywalker saga. Whose name was? Uh, something Tesla or... Oh, Tesla. Tesla? What is it? It's uh, Gosh, Elon uh, Musk. Visla. Visla. Yeah, it's Tar Something Visla. Tar Visla. Visla. Those Vislas go a long ways in the Mandalorian line. I will say I was very upset by it's like, we're one of the only four Mandalorians left in this clan. We need to stick together to instantly, I will kill you over that sword. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But anyways, again, thank you all for joining us today. We all know how crazy things can get when the start of term rolls around. Everyone is packing their bags, potty training their pets, getting everything they may need for the fresh new year in Diagon Alley. If you're anything like me, you've had to make several trips to Diagon Alley. Maybe you've forgotten to check your remember all as you're heading out the door with your keys, your wallet, your phone. But there is something else we certainly don't want to forget about. And that's to talk about this new notice sent from the headmaster's office personally. This, of course, was sent out to all Hogwarts students this year, along with our class lists, letters of acceptance. And with it, there seems to be a lot of talk and questions and uncertainty surrounding this notice. So that's why we wanted to speak on it today here at the Slug Club. Um, this letter appears to be straight from the headmaster's office. It states that, over the past few years, there's risen a problem with a few upperclassmen that maybe have had enough of traversing to school with little Frankie first year. And it's resulted in a few pretty egregious attempts to enter the school grounds at the start of term. And so um, I guess some of these instances have led to a pretty wide range of minor ministry infractions to serious injury. And it doesn't go into any kind of specific detail as far as what methods have been taken or what attempts have been made to try and get to Hogwarts here at the start of term over the last couple of years, but it certainly seems like it has become somewhat of a problem, maybe even somewhat of a class prank, as you may. Um, certain students have been trying to outs and one-up each other on how they can get to Hogwarts, but it does kind of pose the question to us here in the group, what are some possible ways to even get to Hogwarts outside of the Hogwarts Express? Or maybe what are some previous methods of commuting to Hogwarts that we've seen with the history of the school? Other than jinxing a car to fly? Abby, well, and, uh, one of my pieces of notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> well, and we know that the Hogwarts Express has not been around forever. Hogwarts was founded you know, a thousand years ago and wizards and witches have been commuting to Hogwarts for centuries and not using trains. Trains really have only been a thing for how many hundreds of years. So the question would be then how else could you get to Hogwarts? Well, like Ab said, you can certainly jinx a Fort Anglia to fly. That sure works. I wonder if it would be more environmentally better if you flew a Tesla. Hogwarts. Mm. Like, because I'm pretty sure that in the movie, like, it was kind of sputtering and stuff, right? Like, while it was flying through the air. So yeah, it didn't it sound like a 50s car. It sounded yeah. more like that car from uh, 101 Dalmatians with the. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate, though. 
But I would say another um, thing that was probably used, but it doesn't seem like it's used much anymore, would be uh, the flu network. Oh, absolutely. The, network. the only problem I believe, is. I believe. Oh, go ahead, Liz. According to the books, they had to open up the flu network for a certain period of time in order to get there. So yeah, it's not like the, you can just flew in. Well, and I think during the Battle of Hogwarts, they were evacuating students through the flu network too, right? I think like they turned it on for that. No, they took them to Hogsmeade. There's a they used they turned the flu network on for something. I know they turned it on for um when Arthur Weasley was attacked by um, Nagini, they uh, had the kids use the flu network through Dumbledore's office to get to the hospital so that way they could see him. Or was it to the borough to get to Molly? I can't remember. But it's like very rarely it's turned on. But for the most part, the flu network does not work. Exactly. Well, that's uh, the only fireplace that was uh, open was the one in uh, Umbridge's office. But yeah. it was a like a long line of minister or headmasters at Hogwarts who had really shut down the flu network there at Hogwarts, which makes sense because if you're going to have anti-apparition charms around the premises, you can't just have people coming in through the fireplace. Yeah. And you got to think of a castle like Hogwarts. Think of all the, all the fireplaces that are there. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, we really only hear about two. In the in the series, you know, like there's the one in the think... common room for Gryffindor, and then there's one in Dumb in uh, Umbr- Umbridge's office. You know, that's like that's all you hear about so far. But you gotta imagine dozens of fireplaces just everywhere. Yeah, at least one in every common room, I would assume. Yeah, but I would think that the flu network would be the most convenient way of going from home straight to Hogwarts because right, right now you have you have people commuting from home to London to get on to the Hogwarts Express at King's Cross. And I mean, sometimes that takes hours just to get over that way, especially yeah, if you have muggle point, parents. Isn't the point of riding the Hogwarts Express the experience? Maybe, I mean, maybe it's for sort of first like years. With, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of year. like um, when the first years they ride the rowboats to Hogwarts, so that way they can like experience taking seeing Hogwarts with the lake and everything. So I think like, that's what they tell first years. Thing. Yeah, they tell first years that, but really it's because they don't have enough Thestral chariots. <laughs> and it's like, well, you guys aren't getting Thestral chariots. It's you know the youngest don't get the Thestral chariots if there's not enough. That's for sure. You get to row in the boats. I feel like a rowboat would be more fun unless it was like raining or something. I you do get tired like though. That's a big lake. No, the they you don't they have to row well. it. Like it's magic. It just coasts you along. Charm boat. Oh, I see what you're saying though. Just like ride the rowboat. Although that would be a good character building lesson. Row your own boat. Exactly. It's character building for those first years. Be great and until that's... you get paired up with Neville Longbottom to help you row all the way over across. I guess it's fair. Guess it's fair. But I think there is something that we're missing, right? Because this issue of travel to Hogwarts isn't a issue throughout the entire history of Hogwarts. Because the school was founded around 990, so 10th century. And up in, for 700 years, up until the institution of the Statute of International Secrecy, that was 1692. So you have 700 years where students just travel openly, right? Forget about the muggles and what they see. You know, you can just you can just do anything you want, cross country. We also have to think about flu powder probably didn't exist when the school was founded, right? Because you don't think how many so? Fireplace- Jay, fireplaces weren't a thing back in the 10th century. Every house would have had a hearth though, right? Yeah, but that's not a fireplace. That's just like a just like a little little tiny fire spot. I'm going to look powder. this up now. Flu powder was invented by Ignatia Wildsmith in the 13th century. Okay, so right, 1200. So we've got a couple hundred years removed. All right, so let's say let's say 250 years after the founding of Hogwarts. So how did students get there? One, I already said that they didn't need to worry about secrecy. Um, but according to wood carvings, to the <laughs> that's, that sounds like the stupidest thing to pull out. It's like, well, they didn't have pictures, so. Uh, 
wood carvings. It. <laughs> it's like the wood cuts of it. I'm like, wood cuts? I only thought they did those for battles where everybody's just two-dimensional like it's an old Super Mario's game. <laughs> like, But it's people being torn in half. Um, but apparently, according to old depictions, the students would use kind of any magical means that they had at their disposal where people would use broomsticks, although that's problematic because... How are you gonna how are you gonna fly to Hogwarts on a broom with, with your, luggage. your luggage, your trunk, mm-hmm. you've got your number two copper pot with you. You got you your know, pet. Like, you've got your pet on the yeah. back. You know, and if, if Neville couldn't keep a toad in, in his possession on land, there's no way he's doing it over the air, you know? Trevor jumping out to his death over <laughs> over <laughs> Linden, you know. Oh my goodness. That's pretty bleak. That's a pretty that's a pretty graphic image right there. <laughs> but there were also different uh, solutions that they came up with. People would ride other kind of magical beasts, so like things like hippogriffs or thestrals, which isn't which of course, unheard of. The best option would be Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Say dragon. Oh. Well, Thunderbirds are native to the Americas. <laughs> Jay, they didn't dragon didn't have it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's probably the best like that's the baller move right people are showing up with their with their luggage on broomsticks you ride in on a freaking norwegian ridgeback you know i mean even even norwegian ridgebacks as we all know are the worst of the dragons you know why because Flor delacour was able to take one down you know what i mean so Was it was it the Norwegian Ridgeback that Fleur had to defeat, or was it the Swedish Short Snout? Uh, oh, I'm so disappointed. It's not the Hungarian. I feel like it's the Swedish. I mean, no, that was Short Harry. Snout. No, Short I was snout. thinking of the Wel. Was it the Welsh? The Welsh Green. The Welsh Green. Yeah. Okay, I changed my mind. That's officially the worst. Then <laughs> you're talking about a girl who couldn't defeat some Grindelows, but she could beat a Welsh Green. It doesn't surprise me because the Welsh Welsh green, like the Welsh dragon, is probably like the Welsh people. Very lackadaisical, very sing-songy. That dragon probably saw him coming and was like, Oh, Flor Delacour, let me tell you a story of ships and whales. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm a Welshman, and in Wales we like to sing. Instead of breathing fire, the Welsh Green just sings songs that lull its victims to sleep. The Welsh Green sitting there as it's taking floors running in with that stupid track jacket that she's got on. And the dragon's just like, ship ahoy, ship ahoy. Oh, she, oh, she got my egg. <laughs> she, got, she got my egg already. I don't know how it Oh, man. So there, there's, there's different magical means that students are using. But then uh, port keys were actually arranged at all these different kind of collecting points all over Britain and Ireland once they instituted the statute of secrecy. You know, you can't have people riding on dragons, even Welsh Greens, once secrecy is a thing. All right, Mm -hmm. so you have this period after 1692 where students need to now use specific secretive means of travel. And so the solution that the ministry came up with was port keys. So they set up all these port key places all over uh, Britain and Ireland to, so that students would be able to travel to those port key locations, not not dissimilar to traveling to King's Cross for Platform 9 and 3 quarters, mm-hmm. and you'd use a port key to get there. The only problem is that port keys weren't ideal because one up to a third of the students would have failed to arrive every year, and uh, <laughs> many students, according to the Harry Potter wiki, Many students were prone to what is called port key sickness. And if that doesn't sound like the the wizard version of gluten allergies, I don't know what does. <laughs> what is this port key sickness? Port key say, oh, you can't handle that spicy port key? <laughs> Cause a disagreement in the vestibular system sense of movement. I don't know what that means. Well, what does that mean? Justin's it's your inner ear, therapist. right? No, well, here I'll, yeah, here, yeah, I'll tell you. So what it sounds like, it, what it sounds like is that people were getting motion sickness from the things that they were seeing while traveling via port key. Basically, motion sickness, like when you're sitting in yeah. the back of a car. Oh, they but you're spinning at a, at a hundred miles an hour. My tummy's too sensitive. 
I need the cafeteria to provide special food for my needs. I'm sorry, I'm a little bitter because our college cafeteria couldn't have regular pizza. Really? Yep, yep, had to Did have... you have, like, cauliflower or something? The gluten-free pizza! <laughs> I thought it tasted just fine. It's not real, Abby! <laughs> I, I, I feel like a lot of gluten-free swaps taste pretty identical to the real thing so maybe it was just a bad pizza recipe uh, no because that's about as made with rice cuisine. so it's know, like I, a thin cracker i'm just saying i have had gluten-free breads and stuff like that and it tastes normal i can't so pull I myself know. to drink all the dairy-free stuff that Paige gets she's always like it tastes the same I'm like no no i'm, I'm convinced that there's a difference there is a difference, but it's sort of like when eating tofu. If you're eating it expecting it to take the texture of meat or replace it, of course you're going to be displeased. But if you're just like, oh, it's just almond milk or oat milk or oh, it's just I'm eating tofu. It's like, you know, it's fine. You just can't you expect it to be exactly like regular milk or anything like that. That first experience of eating gluten-free pizza. And this is a sign of my privileged life. I recognize that. But that was the first experience I had in my life where I realized that white people do ruin food. And it Everything all made sense touch. to me. I had been eating I had been eating chicken salad sandwiches with raisins in them. There's no salt, no flavoring. Gluten-free pizza. Anyway, so that's poor key sickness. And here's my thing. It's like up to a third of the students failing to arrive at the school. Here's my thing. And maybe this sounds like maybe I'm sounding a little El Salazar on this one. But if you can't figure out how to get to magical school, maybe we don't need you. Well, you know, yeah. I was thinking um, when they first implemented this, I wonder how much chaos there would be. So it's like when we first went into COVID and how they were basically like, all right, teachers, figure it out. I bet it was <laughs> the same way. All right, well, teachers, it- put your hazmat suits on. <laughs> To my understanding, too, it was a big uproar with purebloods because they didn't want to use trains as a means of travel over to Hogwarts. Mm. They didn't want to have their kids traveling on to muggle things. Well, that did cause quite an uproar. And of course, we're talking about the institution of the Hogwarts Express, that magical train ride that we all know and love. And so the Hogwarts Express was instituted in 1830. This was under under Minister Gamble's tenure as the Minister of Magic, which, you know, you see you see the people who were the Minister of Magic and you go back in time, you know, you go way back. And for some and somehow, somehow, by some means, Adeline Gamble became the head of the Ministry of Magic in Britain and Ireland in a time before muggle British women were even able to vote way before, way before. And then here's what here's here's what I find even more unbelievable about this. So get this. This is 1830. She institutes the Hogwarts Express in 1830. Now, here's what I found is unbelievable. That sounded really early to me. I was like, because I know how late of adapters the wizarding world is to muggle technology. This All is right? true. You've got. You've got people who don't, they they don't use cars, right? And by this time, cars have been around for 80, 90 years in the Harry Potter series. And it's a novelty that Arthur Weasley has one in his garage, you know, the flying Ford Anglia, which isn't even like a modern uh, model. It's like from the 50s. And so uh, you've got late adapters. None of them know how to use telephones. None of them can use email. None of them send letters except for by owls. The one of the slowest birds in the animal kingdom, <laughs> you're telling me that this civilization, still riding with feathers, is adopting early technology from the Muggles. Now, now get this. The first train that ran in Britain was the Stockton and Darlington uh, Railway, which we opened in 1825. So you're trying Five to tell years me. after. <laughs> you're trying to tell me, JK? That five years after the the civilization that can't figure out how a telephone works <laughs> adopted the 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 steam locomotive five years after its uh, commercial use and inception, I'm not buying it. I figure it's very very 
the only thing that would make it believable to me is if Adeline Gamble, the Minister of Magic, was Muggle-born. That would be the only... <laughs> then it would make sense. We have like, hey, confirmation on that? Well, it says we, we know pretty much nothing about her because she's probably just thrown in in J.K. Rowling's notes like just around the Hogwarts Express. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need a because... prime minister. Let's see. Uh, oh, and she should make her female. Yeah. And, you know, we'll make her we'll make her a strong female character. Sure. One of the ones. <laughs> it's like the throwaway one. The throwaway prime minister. I'd be offended. Abby and Liz, you should be offended. The throwaway prime minister <laughs> is the one who gets to be a woman. There's not um, much at all on Harry Potter wiki about her. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It says she was born before 1810, which it's like, mm. well, duh, because that means she would, if she were born in 1810, she would have been 17 years old when she became Minister of Magic. 17 years old and convincing the entire wizarding world to use a train. That's like, that's like Queen Amadella from Naboo. You know, 14 Young year old and naive. In a planet. <laughs> And then you realize she was only queen because Sheev Palpatine, El Palpite, wanted her to be. This is a grander conspiracy than I even thought. <laughs> We've got a young, young, gullible, naive <laughs> witch instated just for the connivings of a dark wizard. Okay. Yes, and then this is where we merge the Star Wars universe together. Sheev <laughs> Palpatine. Rant. Yeah. <laughs> Abby oh and Lizzie, goodness. have you guys seen the Parks and Rec episode? The Parks and Rec filibuster with Patton Oswalt, where yeah, he just reads his proposed script for the Star Wars uh, episode yeah. seven. And this script. is where the Star Wars and Marvel universes collide. If Thanos holds the reality gem, that means he can jump from different realities. This will be our link between Star Wars, the Marvel, and the Harry Potter universes. <laughs> And by the way, if you're th- if you're getting excited thinking about a battle between Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Chewbacca, that's going to happen. That's exactly what we're teasing here. <laughs> Think about Robot Spider Chewbacca fighting fighting those guys. It's going to be great. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wonder though if maybe that's why she was only in term until 1835 cuz you think about how long Dumbledore was Minister of Magic for. Right. When, when was I mean, when was Dumbledore Minister of Magic? He was Minister of Magic after uh, Santos. So we see Santos no, elected in the 1930s. Yeah, he's, oh. never been, he's never been Minister of Magic. He's, he's never been, been Minister of Magic. You're right. You're right. So is there a and term? That's why Fudge was so threatened by him. Is there a yeah. term for British Minister of Magic then? There are terms. She was elected yeah. at least twice. What are the terms? Is it every two years, every four years? Sounds like four years. Although, why would you hold your election and like in state people in an odd number year? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's just my American privilege showing through. That feels weird that it's not, you know, uh, even years. It's not zero, two, four, six or eight. Doesn't make sense to me. But this did cause quite a quite a kerfuffle. As Justin said earlier, a lot of people who are the pureblood maniacs, you know, who were very, uh, very purist in their wizarding heritage, they were very infuriated that there was this new, you know, they they were bringing in this muggle technology, these loud muggle machines, no magic, all machine. And I got to be honest with you, I understand it, because if you're a wizard, in the 1800s, you're basically living in the Dark Ages. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't use the light bulb. You're probably still, you know, casting casting flame charms on candles, right? Looking like Dumbledore's office in your house. <laughs> and then you see that behemoth of metal and steel and, and coal. And you look at that thing and that's like, that is not a thing that we want to put our 10-year-old children in. That is a behemoth, a, a a herald of the end times. <laughs> it's like that thing must look, look must look terrifying to them. It's not I'm like getting... Thomas the train. They probably had to send out all this like propaganda where it was like the early models of uh, 
of Thomas the Train, where it's just to get people to feel safe to bring their kids over there. <laughs> they're playing the theme song. That two, that four, that six, they're right. Except those aren't the years that we elect our prime minister. I'm getting a strong contrast between the Harry Potter reaction to the Hogwarts Express and like the storyline from Onward, where it's almost the opposite, where like they accepted technology in that movie. And then magic started to fade away as oh, they accepted they and became more industrialized. They were worried about it. And you know what? That makes me think that they're right. They're right to be worried about it. You know, because if you can turn on a light, you don't need the candlelight charm. Yeah. It's a lot easier than going to school for seven years. You don't need to know how to charm a meal when you can just order Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think what you're saying, Jay, is that Grindelwald was exactly right. The muggles were, were, you know, diluting the pure blood and the magical blood in the world. And if if, if uh, they were allowed to succeed, there would be no magic left in the time of Harry Potter. Yeah, Everybody yeah. would have just been riding trains, using umbrellas like regular people, calling each other on the phone instead of yep, using slow owls that take 10 weeks. Actually, it doesn't sound terrible. Well, and let's look a little bit closer as to like how they acquired the Hogwarts Express in the first place. So Adeline Gamble, the Minister of Magic, she's elected in 1827 and then 1830 comes up with this idea. She's been fascinated with these muggle inventions and ingenuity. And it, it must have been like a light bulb clicked on in her head when she was like, oh, that's how we're going to get all of the kids to Hogwarts. We're going to steal a train from the muggles <laughs> and then we're going to hide the train in one of the muggle station actually so here's another interesting thing so this is 1830 hogwarts express they come across it and i don't know why they choose this specific model rob like you said it was probably it was only five years after trains had started riding in england to begin with it was probably the second or third train ever built in England. Adeline Gamble sets off the biggest heist in Wizarding World history where 167 memory charms are cast. It is the biggest concealment charm ever performed in Britain in order to get the Hogwarts Express from where it was being built in East England and then transporting it over to where it needs to be creating the train station in Hogsmeade. And so it's a big operation, all done in one night, where the people of Hogsmeade go to sleep, there's no train station, they wake up, and all of a sudden, poof, they're waking up to loud, noisy train, and all of a sudden their real estate value is diminished. Only I-75 construction worked that way, though. <laughs> but this is, 19, this, this is 1830, right? King's Cross is not created until 1850s. Mm -hmm. So oh. they create the Hogsmeade train station, but we are unsure of where the Hogwarts Express had initially traveled between Hogsmeade to in order to pick up students. Exactly. Where do you put the train? There's like literally three different railways. And so they had built the railway. One thing that, uh, Jay, I don't know if you mentioned with this, that uh, this operation to this this train heist, which is like the, the trainiest of train heists, because this isn't just robbing people on the train. It's <laughs> robbing the whole train, it's robbing the whole train. <laughs> you're You're literally robbing a train. You know, that's 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 no small feat. And this was the largest concealment charm project ever performed in Britain. This operation involved, according to the fan page, 167 memory charms. They walked in there like they were the men in black. Walked in, stole the train, left everybody feeling like they misplaced something important for an entire year. Exactly. And then, and then they just relocated to Hogsmeade and have the whole rail station there. And the problem is, it's like, one, where does the train even go to, you know, other than like to Hogsmeade? Because you don't have any other train stations. They had to wait 20 years for King's Cross to be built. But there's interesting thing. I was looking into the history of King's Cross Station, and there is 
a little bit of a ghost story here at play. Oh, really? King's Cross. And I'm not talking about the ghost of our fabulous friend, Albus Dumbledore. I'm talking about an older, more sinister ghost. You see, at the time of the Roman invasion of Britain, there was a legitimate strong female character that rose in opposition to the Romans, and her name was Queen Boudicca. And Queen Boudicca fought this this huge yes, battle course. against Queen the Booty. Romans. Wait, <laughs> did you just call her Queen Booty? <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume that that would be a That'd be that would be a given nickname. nickname. Yeah, yeah, an affectionate nickname. That's what the that's what her closest called it, Queen Booty. <laughs> Queen Booty. No, they would call her Queen Queen Booty. Queen Booty. Booty. This has gone way too long. Anyway, so Queen Booty <laughs> fought a battle against the Romans and lost. And King's Cross Station is built on the grounds where that battle was fought. And it is said that Queen Boudicca haunts that place, the location of her grave, which is where? Between platforms 9 and 10. What? Hmm. Between platforms 9 and 10 at King's Cross, and what else is there? Platforms 9 and 3 quarters. A genius place to locate a secret entrance where people are going to think that that spot is haunted. Interesting. Very interesting. Because when me, Abby, and Liz were there at King's Cross a couple of years ago, we didn't see any ghosts. Not a single <laughs> one. <no> ghosts. <laughs> but they have installed, in honor of the Harry Potter franchise, a uh, a half uh, a trunk that's like halfway built into the wall. Oh yeah. Of, uh, the we platform. They have. There was someone standing there with uh, different house scarves too, so you could pick the scarf of your house and then. Borrow oh. it for the picture. It was pretty cool. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, here's my big problem with this operation. This operation seems like a really big and very, very expensive project. And what is the result? A train that runs six times a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got runs at about- the start of term, end of term, Christmas, Christmas and Easter, season. right? So... So that would be at least eight then. No, no. Well, if we're counting uh, there and back, but yeah. I mean, it just at some point you got to ask yourselves: Is the juice really worth the squeeze? Feel like everybody was like, "Use our taxpayer money to get this train that runs five times a year." Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, eventually there's got to be a huge, you know, pushback from the community, right? Like, just think about all the ministry work that was used in that. 167 memory charms, largest concealment charge charm ever devised. People working overtime for this. Here's another thing that's problem with the train. The train doesn't actually run on steam. Oh, what's it run on? It's just a magic train. <laughs> but you see the steam, steam the coming smoke. out of it, at least yeah. in the movies. The steam that comes out of the, the Hogwarts Express is the result of a charm placed on it. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so the the this is what the Harry Potter fan page says that you know the Hogwarts Express is a four six zero steam engine, and I don't know that because I'm I don't know what that means because I'm not into trains. I'll trust but it. The steam fitted uh, by the Muggles who built it, the locomotive later ran exclusively on magic, which means if you're just gonna use magic, you could have just made wagons. Yep. You could have just had horseless carriages instead yeah. of stealing muggle technology. All the cur- This is like an Albus Dumbledore level ostentatious project, overt project. And you could have it doesn't even use the technology. They just wanted the cabins that are inside the train. I mean, to Here, be I fair, thought it sounds terrifying to sit in a horseless carriage as it blasts down the road at top speed. Like, I'd, oh, I'd be nice. a little uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you get covered. It's nice and nice. And, and I don't mean like, uh, well, a carriage. Like, if you had just the cars, all you would need to build is just cars. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the wizards were like, anybody here know how to build cars? Uh, do you mean like... I don't know. I can I can light like six candles at once, though. Can can we use that? 
All this time, they could have been using the Surrey with a fringe on top. Exactly. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry when I take you out in the Surrey all the way to Hogwarts in the Surrey with a fringe on On top. top. (laughs) I was envisioning in my head that the steam was real and that they had house elves in like this sweatshop up near the front of the train and then the house elves are shoveling the coal (laughs) they're shoveling the coal into the fire and they're like faster faster or else master will be very displeased (laughs) no no you gotta do thomas the tank engine shoveling coal the house elves they're they're not cheerfully doing it it's hot i don't know i thought they'd be happy they'd probably be excited to demonstrate their worth Oh no, Hermione would. This is the thing that Hermione should be really focused on with Spew is all these yeah. poor house elves slaving away in the hot coal room, and they're like, <laughs> The house elves must shovel more coal, or the conductor will be very cross. <laughs> <laughs> and Sir Topham sure. Hat was cross. <laughs> <laughs> I would for sure rather be in the kitchen next to the Hufflepuff house than in that sweaty room covered in soot. For That's sure. for sure. They're probably whipped, like, you know, cracking whips. It's like, sing the song. They're two, they're four, they're six, they're eight. And you know the one who's going around cracking that whip, making sure everybody's in line? That trolley lady. Freaking Argus Filch of the Hogwarts Express. Isn't it true that the trolley lady, um, she's like almost 200 years old in The Cursed yeah. Child. They talk about her. And also that she can use her pumpkin pasties as pumpkin bombs. Like she's a stinking Marvel supervillain. And she can turn chocolate frogs into spikes on her hand to fight off children who try to get off the pl- uh, get off the train too early. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? That's from the cursed child, isn't it? Yeah, I'm like it's since when about did the, the cursed child lady become the son of the Green Goblin? Since when was I didn't realize that the trolley lady was the child of Norman Osborn throwing pumpkin bombs around? <laughs> If you read the books, you would uh, be able to. This was the one of part of the cursed child that Abby didn't cover in the Whomping Willow episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ignored it. Because... Okay, first of all, I had to repeat myself a thousand times because I kept cutting out. And second of all, I thought that part was super weird. Like that whole thing with the trolley lady. It... I was like, why is this happening? It was super weird. <sighs> I have many thoughts on the cursed child. But, you know, the interesting thing, too, is that Platform 9 and 3 quarters is not the only platform that was created at King's Cross during this whole operation of transporting wizards and witches. You have sure Platform, was. of course, 3 and 1 third. You have Platform 7 and a half. And then, of course, Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Platform 3 and 1 third offered a railroad for Great Wizarding Express. Which is apparently another train that is used for witches and wizards transporting to London from other places in Berlin. This is actually the train we see Newt, Kowalski, and the rest of Dumbledore's Band of Vagabonds riding in Secrets of Dumbledore. It didn't necessarily look the prettiest on the outside, but the inside was very nicely set up and well done. Gold, brass, walnut veneers, and red leather upholstery. It contained on it a fireplace, actually, that was connected to the flu network. So really, really top of the line stuff. Um, and then we're really not given much information on the train that runs through platform seven and a half. Unfortunately, to the best of my knowledge, this is an unnamed train thus far. But we do know that it's a long distance train. It offers passage to wizards and witches from London and connecting them with a network of wizard-only villages throughout continental Europe. It's pretty similar to the Muggle, or I guess the wizard version of the Muggle Orient Express. Oh, Uh, So it's the off-brand. I bet they couldn't get the rights to the Orient Express, because there's all the the different works on the Orient Express, like Murder on the Orient Express, Mm. with beloved uh, Book of Mormon star Josh Gad. 
and Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. So you've got two Broadway stars there. I guess you've got Michelle Pfeiffer there too. Michelle Pfeiffer was in Hairspray, the musical, the movie. She was. And then and then you have Johnny Depp. You know, he's musical. He was in Sweeney Todd. And man, <laughs> he nailed it. I'll tell you what, that's that's like half the cast right there is musical people. But you can always tell Josh Gad, because he sings like this. <laughs> Hogwarts Express going past my apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember living in Howell. I hear you're back by the post office. Yeah. Abby, you must be intercepting all the owls. Oh, yeah. Owls and trains just nonstop. I'll tell you what, that was a sign of, that was a huge thing. When I, when I learned that owls are actually some of the slowest birds on the planet, I was like, why are wizards using these birds? That Honestly, are it checks out slowest. to me. They would go with something so, like, infuriatingly, like, why would you do this? Like, it's sort of like writing with quills, even though, like, ink pens are a thing now. Like, why are we doing that? And Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you think well, and they have owls... a whole list of magical beasts that you could have chosen from, and you choose owls. But you mm-hmm. see how owls are used in the magical world, and they arrive instantly. Like when Harry got his howler or whatever from, not the howler, but whatever it was saying that he was expelled. Yeah, it was like within minutes. It was yeah. like, oh, yeah. you did this mm-hmm. charm 13 minutes ago or whatever. He just walked in the door. So, so maybe they go it? through some sort of like time warp or something. Right. Like We're going to have to do a whole episode just... on the owl network. Mm. The abuse of the owl network classic bird abuse it kind of makes sense because owls are are silent birds that's their hunting strategy right they're not fast but they're silent the only problem is that most of the time owls are nocturnal but we see clearly the owls are being used in the daytime and so if secrecy is your thing i could understand like oh yeah we use secret silent tactics with our owls to deliver our messages you know so that we have a secret network of of silent silent stalkers of the night that bring us our messages to each other <laughs> but well, then they're just operating in daylight. flying in bright daylight what that was, was that liz that they brought up in the first book when um he who must be not to be named was defeated was that mcgonagall had said to dumbledore um that the muggles are noticing owls even though they're nocturnal she saw it exactly on television. yeah that's what i was thinking too and i'm like you wouldn't think that that would be weird or as the or as the British people say, oh, how queer! An owl <laughs> in the middle of the day. <laughs> so I think well, there's still one way to get to Hogwarts that we haven't mentioned yet, and that is through Hogsmeade. Oh, I was yeah. thinking you're going to say a different way. What did you think was the other way? Apparition. Well, yeah. So you have to apparate to Hogsmeade, and then you walk to Apparition. Hogwarts. You can't apparate in and out of Hogwarts, Justin. Right. Mm-hmm. Only Dumbledore can do that. <laughs> People or, tried that. To my knowledge, it was not. Well, I guess there's always been apparition charms at Hogwarts for protection services, but or protection means. But I heard that there were people the who would try to apparate to school, and it wasn't mm-hmm. always the safest option. No, you can and imagine getting splinched. Yeah, getting splinched right off the bat. At least you arrived at least where right there Madame at the hospital Pomfrey wing. can fix you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Madame Pomfrey mm-hmm. probably loves extra traffic, you know, <laughs> just to justify her job existing. Gives her the Sunday scaries the day before school starts, knowing that there's going to be a <laughs> bunch of kids missing their arms coming in. <laughs> She's probably going over to like all the upperclassmen, like you know, you don't have to ride the train <laughs> to get to Hogwarts, <laughs> <laughs> but if you do it. You got to keep it. This is our little secret. <laughs> <laughs> Madam Pomfrey, it seems like we've ordered a surplus of Skelligro. What are oh, we going to no do reason. about this? Madam Pomfrey's like, I think I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to trick these kids into getting their limbs splinched. <laughs> so then, Liz, if you say you apparate to Hogsmeade, then how else do you get from Hogsmeade over to Hogwarts then? How far is the walk? distance? Is it just a walkover? Well, I would assume so, because the third years and above did it. At least twice a year. They just walked? Yeah, they yeah. walked. So, yeah. Well, like a field hey, trip? If you're Marshall Erickson, you can make that walk. 
I thought when you said Hogsmeade, I thought you were talking about the secret passage. Nah. The secret tunnel from Hogsmeade to uh, I guess the if you are a marauder, there is another way to get to Hogwarts. Well, that's still through Hogsmeade, though. There mm-hmm. are multiple that's avenues true. through Hogsmeade. But we saw it in... Um, underground and sneaky. We saw them walking to Hogwarts in this last movie. What is the name of the last movie? That just the came Secrets out. Secrets of Dumbledore? Yep, there you go. Yeah, they did do that. Nobody from nobody nobody blames you for forgetting the title of the movie. It's like wait, was that the name of the second movie? What was the name of the second movie? That was Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. yeah. I did get around to watching it and I gotta say, I'm annoyed they're dragging it out one more film. Like, just what are you doing? Are they doing one more? they originally they, planned on doing five. Oh yeah, it is two more. You are correct. I don't know, but well, I guess now it's okay that they're they're kind of killing off Ezra Miller. I feel like we, that's a whole separate episode. Goldstein. <laughs> yeah, they've been in a lot of weird legal trouble. I hear that all of those, uh, all of the shenanigans that Ezra Miller has been involved in, is actually side effects of the symptoms of dragonpox. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when you when you get dragonpox, you start going crazy. You start threatening women, grooming children. You know. Yeah. Getting into all kinds of trouble in Iceland. I mean, that's classic dragon pox right there. Yeah. <laughs> Typical that the muggle newspapers and uh, BuzzFeed articles do not elaborate further on that. Exactly. They, it, it makes sense that it just looks like he's had a psychotic break to us, right? It just makes sense. But really, dragon pox, yeah. Hogsmeade is pretty close, just on the other side of the lake. Just on the other side of the Black Lake. Oh, yeah. You can practically swim across it. Get past the Grindelows and the Mer people, you know? Giant squid. Yep. I don't think Wait, it's there's that a giant far. squid in the lake? Of course there's there a is. giant squid. You would know that if you read the book. How? It's and why don't there. we see it during the Triwizard Tournament? Exactly. He's shy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can just say everything's there. The Loch Ness Monster's in there. There's a giant squid. There's a pot of beluga whales. You know, it's like, Smart you can't people. have everything in the Black Lake. You know what I mean? The Black Lake is like Mary Poppins' bag. You can just put everything in there, pull it out. It's like Hermione's bag, yeah, with the expanded charm, yeah. It's just... I mean, to be fair, the Durmstrang ship just magically came blubbering out from its depths. Like, where did that come out of? Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it's like so. the Black Lake isn't across the ocean. Like, <laughs> you're telling me they landed the ship in the lake just to appear <laughs> out of the water? <laughs> like, no, no, guys, trust me. Trust No, no. Igor, Igor, trust me. Igor, put that down. Trust me. Trust me. This is going to be a good look. They're going to be very intimidated by our powers. <laughs> My friends, comrades. The, no, trust Igor. Other Igor. No, not you. <laughs> Here's the problem. The the Black Lake isn't that deep. Giant squids, they're like only in like the deepest depths of the ocean. Like they gotta get way down in there. You can't just have a giant squid in a lake. I don't know. We know that a... the Weasley twins were often found tickling its tentacles. You know, going back to that ship, I guess that is another means of arriving at Hogwarts. I'm looking up the Durmstrang ship, which is apparently just referred to as the Durmstrang ship. And um, we see that it's a magical ship that was used by Durmstrang Institute. Apparently, Igor Kakarov did not steer the ship. It was steered by the students that were traveling along it somehow. Yeah. And it traveled underwater, which, of course, broke the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy. Traveling underwater? I guess so. Despite being used as a method of transportation by Durmstrang, traveling by underwater ship was a breach of the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy. Hmm. Says who? It's underwater. Well, I mean, you got submarines. Uh, Yeah, but how many submarines are you going to run into? Scuba divers. So basically, it became a thing after World War II, or around World War II. The International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy? Well, for underwater travel. I thought you were going to tell me it had a special charm, that it submerges in certain waters and then can reappear somewhere else. 
that would make sense to me. Igor, Igor, quick, put that down. We're going to we're going to drop down under the waters here in the Caspian Sea, <laughs> and then reemerge at Hogwarts. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean, where like you steer at world's end. and yeah, at world's end, and then all of a sudden the the world just flips upside down. Now up is down, or it, now down is up. I can't remember when they were trying to flip the boat over the ship. I feel so like we need to have... though, um, the bow battens flew in to come to Hogwarts. In there, does that not violate secrecy? Riding in your chariot of Pegasi, a Pegasus. Let's see here. Malt whiskey drinking Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to have a separate podcast episode that's just the, you know things that are anachronistic about Hogwarts, starting with this train. Because I'll tell you what, I see the Hogwarts Express depicted in movies. We even know the model, apparently, that the Hogwarts Express is, the model of train that it is. Like I said before, it's a 460 Hall Class steam locomotive, and its model number GWR 5900. 5900. And I have scoured the internet, and I have not been able to find what the origins of that model of locomotive are maybe somebody can can inform us of this but as best as i can see that model wouldn't be designed for another 90 years the earliest ones i'm seeing are from the 1920s another interesting thing about the hogwarts express is since it was instituted in 1830 and continues presumably to this day in operation it is even though it's not a legitimate like purely run by steam steam engine it is the longest running train in the world. That can't Hogwarts be. is? Yeah, the Hogwarts Express. No. You got to think, because you know any trains that are running that were made in 1830? That yeah, the Polar Express. The <laughs> <laughs> Polar Express is like the Hogwarts. It started before there were even train tracks. You know, it's like... Old St. Nick saw that they were making some trains, and they were like, we need to get one of these... I don't know why that was the that wasn't a good Santa Claus voice anyway. But he thought that they needed to get a train. But there's no. And then the elves are like, but Santa, there's no there's no railroads. <laughs> I like how the elves sound like Boo Boo. Sound like Yogi Bear's little friend. <laughs> Update: The Polar Express was made in 1941. So there you go. It checks there out. So the Hogwarts Express was the is the longest running train in fiction. Well, the Polar Express is a real train. It's in Owasso, Michigan. Well, yeah, 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 real yeah. train. I know. I know. trust me. I know. <laughs> you don't think I know about the Polar Express in Owasso, in made in 1945? 1941. 1941. Exactly what I said. Yep. Yep. No, you said 45. I was correcting you. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's called the Perry Marquette 1225 and that kids is called gaslighting (laughs) (laughs) our paid sponsor for today's episode gaslighting do you want to be right all the time (laughs) all you need to do is convince the people around you that they're crazy (laughs) yikos Somebody upset with you because of something you said. It's because they're too sensitive and they're overreacting. (laughs) (laughs) Learn how to justify every action you do without assuming any responsibility through gaslighting. Order now. (laughs) Based on a creepy black and white thriller from the 90s. What is the creepy black and white thriller from the night? That's what the term gaslighting comes from. It comes from a movie. I believe it was called Gaslight. Um, huh. That's where the term comes from. Gaslighting. Uh, it's a 1944 film, apparently. But it's like a psychological thriller where the husband is like psychologically like tormenting his wife and convincing her that she's crazy, that the, you know, that the gaslight is on when the gaslight is off or it's like something either that or the gaslight is off when it should be on. And he just keeps on like trying to convince her. And so, so it's like her like descent into madness, but that's where the term gaslighting comes from. That's really interesting. Huh? 
That would be me going mad. I get it. I don't know how that really works, though. I feel like that should have been a 30-second movie. 30-second movie. It's like, honey, why is the why is the gas light off? It's not off. It's on. What are you talking about? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Roll the credits. <laughs> Just the way it was. And apparently, Italians were the worst. <laughs> and then they made gluten-free pizza, and it gave uh, gave a new outlet to vent all of Italians' anger. Tony, what's wrong with you? Maria, how can I focus when they're putting no gluten in the pizza? <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at The Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.